And welcome to Bags and Boards. Coming up on tonight's show, we talk about Sherlock Holmes, Consulting Detective, Jack the Ripper, and West End Adventures, plus news, new releases, and more. What have we been playing? What games have we picked up lately? Find out tonight on Bags and Boards. And welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Lance McFarlane here with D. Clark. How are you D? doing, Lance? I'm doing pretty good. D. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. We haven't met here in the studio in a while. We've been seeing each other playing some games lately, but yeah. we haven't recorded in a while. That's true. Um, tonight, we're talking about a pretty cool game. Jack the Ripper uh, and West End Adventures is the new version of Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, a game that originally came out in 1981. Yes, sir. Finally, uh, kind of. Updated, this is a standalone expansion. Um, it's a full game all by itself. Okay. But if you do have the original, I guess you could call it an expansion. So if you don't know, uh, Bags and Boards is a weekly board game review and discussion show here on KXTR 100.7 The Planet, covering everything in today's designer hobby board game world. We're on Twitter at Bags and Boards TX. We're at Facebook.com slash Bags and Boards and over at Bags and Boards TX at gmail.com if you want to email us. Find all of this info at SoundCloud.com slash bags and boards plus all of our past reviews and interviews and our rss feed address sorry about that which allows you to add our show to your podcast catcher but d we are a podcast now so just search for us on itunes podcast addict and anywhere else you download your podcast and we are there also part of the tarleton radio podcast feed if you want to hear some other shows here Absolutely. on tarleton radio um d we are brought to you by game and movie traders buy, sell, and trade both new and used video games for any console, DVDs and Blu-ray, and comic books. They also feature a selection of boarding card games, including Magic the Gathering and other collectible card games. They're located at 2900 West Washington Street, Suite 60, right next door to the movie theater, and can be reached by calling 965-GAME or online at facebook.com slash gameandmovietradersesville. So, Dee, before we get into the board games, what have you been up to lately? Uh, lots of work. Uh, got a couple of new board games, actually. I think we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'll, I'll tease that for later. I have things for that. Okay. But yeah, that's that's about it. Nothing too major. I have gone and seen, uh, what did I go see? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, plan, I saw it too. I plan on hopefully later today, or if not later today, then this time next week, uh, going and seeing Wonder Woman. You should. You should. I think I'm going to go see it on Friday afternoon, and I'm really excited about that. But we're here to talk about board games, so let's get into the news. D, um, it is award season. Yes, sir. So uh, we're going to talk about three Actually, four different uh, award uh, things going on right now. First of all, the 2017 Mensa Select Award winners have been announced. Uh, the games that were, got the Mensa Select Award were Amalgam, which I have not heard of, Around the World in 80 Days from Yellow, Clank, the deck builder from Renegade, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle from USAopoly, which is really interesting, Yes, and Imagine from Game Right, which I hadn't seen anything about. Uh, either. Um, so Mensa is the, uh, you know, the group you can be a part of if you have a certain IQ. Correct. Uh, it's like a group for geniuses, essentially. And they get together and they play a whole bunch of games and then they give an award to like five different games. And these were the games. Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle didn't seem that smart of a game to me. I thought it was a fun game in certain ways, but it was interesting to me that that got this award. It's it's certainly a bit creative. 
Um, I can see how it would appeal to uh, lots of people, which is something that Mensa tries to do. You know, yeah. they, that's one of the things that they take into consideration. Um, but, uh, yeah, this was not at the top of my list for, you know, this game will probably be picked by Mensa. Yeah, yeah. Um, that said, it is a good game. I have no problems with it. Yeah, so. it seems like in the last few years they're finally starting to get out of the more mass market games and into the gamery type games. Yes. So uh, maybe maybe we're just seeing them get into more like deep games, you know, because if a bunch of Mensa guys were playing like 18xx games, they would probably be very into, you know what I mean? Right. But I bet it's the type of games that they're finally coming across, you know. Um, so the Dice Tower Award, so these will be announced at the Dice Tower Con here in a few weeks, I believe in July 4th weekend. Um, so uh, this is only a selection of the awards. Game from a new designer, uh, Kingdom Death Monster, Vast the Crystal Caverns, Adrenaline, uh, Terraforming Mars, and Manhattan Project's Energy Empire. Um, I, I have I have not played any one of those. I have Adrenaline, but I haven't cracked it open yet. Artwork, Arkham Horror, the card game, Inish, Islebound, Kanawaga, and Scythe. I have a problem believing that Scythe isn't going to win any, is not going to win any artwork award. Agreed. Just because it's so nice looking. It is so pretty. Um, I got to say, though, that Inish has um, a really specific type of art, and it's really, really beautiful, too. Uh, two-player game. Uh, I like to talk about this one because I'm big on two-player games. 13 Days of Cuban Missile Crisis, Arkham Horror, the card game, Codex, which you and I have reviewed here on the show. Yes, we did. Star Wars Destiny and Star Wars Rebellion, two Star Wars games in that category. Party games. I'm a big fan of party games. Codenames Pictures, uh, Captain Sonar, Happy Salmon, Junk Art, and Secret Hitler. you played Secret Hitler, right? I've played Secret Hitler many times. Um, strategy game. This is the deeper game. Games uh, Award, A Feast for Odin uh, from Uwe Rosenberg, Great Western Trail, Scythe, Star Wars Rebellion, and Terraforming Mars. Production, you've got Conan, The Others, Mechs vs. Minions, Scythe, and Star Wars Rebellion. Stars, Star Wars Rebellion, a lot of uh, a lot of nominations here. Yes. Innovation, b- biggest innovation in a game, Captain Sonar, which is kind of like a... Uh, it's like a game that takes like eight players and we're all playing a different role in this in on this ship. Okay. And I have to do my part for you to be able to do your part and so on and okay. so forth. Um let's see what else. Clank, which is a deck building game. Millennium Blades, which is that kind of like meta CCG game where we're playing a game about the being the players of a CCG and also kind of playing that CCG within the game. Right. But we're also buying cards for that CCG. And it's a, it's very meta, I think, is the innovation here. Um, let's see. Mystic Veil and Vast the Crystal Caverns. Game from a small publisher, Arkwright, which came out from Capstone Games. Cottage Garden, Not Alone, Role Player, and also Vast the Crystal Caverns. Let's see, Game of the Year, the big the big award from the Dice Tower Awards. A uh, lot of nominees here, but you've got Adrenaline, Captain Sonar, Cry Havoc, Feast for Odin, Great Western Trail, Inish, Mechs vs. Minions, Scythe, Star Wars Rebellion, and Terraforming Mars. So um, I, for me, it's for me out of all the games that are nominated in all these, Scythe is the kind of the big one. Yeah, I've played for me. I've played about half of these as far as the game of the year. Yeah. Um and and for me uh Scythe is the the winner. Um it's it's hard to compare things you've played to things you haven't played, so That's you know, true. something that I haven't played could jump up and win it. Yeah. But out of the things I've played Scythe is is the clear winner here for game of the year. Yeah. It seems like the Dice Tower awards are very like like every category almost has the same games in it. Right. 
Um, but you get to the Origins Awards, and they go a little they they skew a little different. Uh, they've got a Family Games Award, which has the Cartoon Network deck building game. Garbage Day, Happy Sam and Junk Art, Karuba, and Speechless. Um, uh, I've played Speechless. It's an okay game. That's the only one I've played out of those. I've, I've played the Cartoon Network deck building game. I didn't enjoy it at all. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, you've got traditional card games, Dream Home, Fabled Fruit, Kana, Kanagawa, Kodama, Lotus, Mystic Veil, Oh My Goods, and the Big Book of Madness. And then the board games category, Blood Rage, Clank, Cry Havoc, Feast for Odin, Owlbound, Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition, Scythe, Star Wars Rebellion, Terraforming Mars, and World's Fair 1983. And then they do a collectible game awards where they've got things like Yu-Gi-Oh, Breaker of Shadow, Pokemon, XY11, Steam Siege, Magic the Gathering, Kaladesh, Heroclix, Uncanny X-Men, and Cardfight Vanguard. Um, are these like the current of, say, Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon? Those, yeah, as I was say, those are all sets from TCGs uh, that were uh, released last year. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, so the big one, though, is the Spiel des Jahres nominees. Of course. This is the game of the year. This is the award that if you win this award, it can kind of, like, change. It's like a life-changing award. Yeah, it's, like, it's generally, like, it's technically not, but most people consider this to be the international game of the year. Like, this is the best game on the planet Earth. Yeah, for sure. So the uh, the nominees were... King Domino by Bruno Cathala. That's gotten a lot of buzz. Yes. Magic Maze by Casper Lapp. And El Dorado by Reiner Knizia. I had not even heard of El Dorado, but um, Reiner Knizia has a good shot of getting into these kind of awards. Yeah, I mean, just his reputation alone gets him a long way down the road. Yeah, so the Kinderspiel des Jahres, which is the children's game of the year, Captain Silver, Ice Cool, and Mysterious Force. Ice Cool is an awesome game. The other two I haven't played. Uh, and the Kennerspiel des Jahres, which is a strategy game. Game of the year, the exit series of game by Inca and Marcus Brand, Raiders of the North Sea by Shim Phillips, and Terraforming Mars by Jacob Frixelius. So he's a uh, first-time designer, yes. uh, because he's up here in the game from a new designer. We awards. need to uh, we need to check out Terraforming Mars at some point because it's been nominated by everybody for something. That's very true. It's from Stronghold Games. I would say out of the couple of games that came out around that time from Stronghold, I'm more interested in Great Western Trail. But you're right. It has gotten so many award nominations, especially from a new designer, that it's it's something you want to try out. Absolutely. Okay, so that is all the awards. A lot of awards going on right now, and we'll come back within the next few months after they're each announced and kind of uh, give the rundown of the games that won. Okay, so Games Workshop D has announced the release of the 8th edition of Warhammer 40K. This is news from a couple weeks back. But, yes. Um, you are around people that play 40K. I am. It's very true. You guys true. do 40K at the place you work. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the like thoughts about? What are the thoughts about this? It is a it is a period of uh, anxious anticipation and also nervousness. Um, so, uh, for those who don't know, Eighth uh, Edition of, or actually I think it's Ninth Edition of Warhammer Fantasy came out uh, last year, and they completely scrapped the rules and and rebuilt the game from the ground up. Yeah. Um, and they're doing the same thing with Warhammer 40K. Okay. Um, your fluff, your storyline, all of that is basically the same, but the, the the mechanics of the game are completely being redone from the ground up. Um, a lot of people are, um, are, are looking forward to it. There were a lot of complaints and have been for a long time that 40K is just too bulky in terms of its rules. And, I mean, the book itself is a tome. I'm yeah. not going to say that they're wrong. Um but it's it's going to be so different that 
they're going to gain some players, and I'm sure they're also going to lose some players. So, yeah, because it's like a different game almost. Yeah, it's almost literally a different game in terms of how it works. Um, so that will be it, – it will be very interesting and certainly something for uh, – for us from a news perspective to keep an eye on. I think people, though, need to keep in mind, and I know this doesn't help out as far as tournaments go, but I think people need to keep in mind with things like this that the good thing about this is that no one's going to force you to play 8th edition. That's true. You can just keep on playing it the way you play it. It's not like those rules get wiped from your mind and from existence. Like, you play the game however you want, you know? Exactly. When when sets of Magic the Gathering go out of cycle, that doesn't mean you can't play with them. It means you can't play with them in certain tournament settings. Exactly. But you can still play it. It doesn't... It doesn't mean it's gone forever. Yeah, it's, it's not like the cards disappear. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. <clears throat> so um, Fantasy Flight Games will be releasing Legend of the Five Rings as an LCG at the end of the year. I remember when they announced that Fantasy Flight had bought the rights from AEG to Legend of the Five Rings, and we had said, oh, well, they're probably doing LCG with it. So now they are going to do an LCG with it. What, what are your thoughts on that? Because there um, were some uh, L5R players in town. I was I was one of them. Yeah. Um, this is something that, again, I'm, I'm curious about and— you know, cautiously optimistic. Um, the old version of L5R had a rabid fan base. Yeah. It was not the biggest following in the world. You know, there were certainly more Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, Magic players than L5R ever thought about having. Um, but its its fans were uh, wildly loyal. And part of that was because they had really good relations with AEG. Yeah. Um, the storyline literally changed depending on who did well at their major tournaments. Okay. Um, which which in turn uh, made their stories interesting. You didn't know it was going to happen, and it made the fan base, uh, like I said, just just incredibly loyal because they knew, you know, this is where the next big tournament is. If I want my my group to do well, all I got to do is go to that tournament and and you know go go rack up a bunch of wins. Yeah. So, um, I'm I'm interested to see how it goes. Um. Fantasy Flight has done a lot of LCGs. Okay, uh, they've got a real steady uh, resume. Real, you know, none of them are terrible. Uh, so it'll be it'll be cool. It'll be interesting. Okay, cool. Um, so WizKids has announced Dungeons and Dragons Dice Masters Tomb of Annihilation. Yes, uh, nothing Dice Masters has gotten me excited in a long time, but a new D and D set kind of did a little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm looking to get rid of a bunch of my Dice Masters, but the D and D stuff is so good that like that's a couple of the sets that I'm not looking to get rid of right yeah. now, and uh, I may, I may have to go order a box or two just to collect this set. Yeah, just because they've done such interesting stuff with the last two D and D sets. Absolutely, like, that's where all the really interesting mechanics would come in. Yep, it's like they, it's like they were saying without saying, "Hey, if you're." If you want a little bit more depth to your Dice Masters game, D and D is the D and D is the way to go. Skew, you know, and and every World Championships, which we are leading up to a World Championship for Dice Masters again. Origins is right around the corner. Um, the D and D set that released before it has had a major player in the World Championship. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Just using dragons and yeah. As I say, well, dragons was big at the first one. Yeah. Um, Kobolds and Elf Thieves was big at the second one, and I'm really curious as to see what's going to come out at this one because I fully expect something will uh, will shape the meta. Do you think this will be level. out before? I have no idea. Um, I hope so, just for the for the reason that I said. Yeah. Um, but if it's not, uh, the first Dungeons and Dragons had been out for a while before the first World Championship. Well, they I wouldn't usually, be shocked. 
they usually put this press release out right before it's about to come out. Right. And but Origins is in a week. That's true. So if it comes out mid next week, it's going to be out a day before. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Bad timing on their yeah. part. Yeah, it's, that's true. Um, because releases, cause, but they did just release um, Superman Wonder Woman. That's true. So, uh, but I, I, this is the one that makes me go, hmm, I could buy a, yeah, I could buy a starter of this or, uh, but, well, actually this one, I don't think, I think they've stopped doing starters. They for, kind of have. For most sets except here and there, right? Yes. This one is going to introduce a new format called, a new thing called draft packs. Where you can buy draft packs to help you draft without having to just buy booster regular boosters, right? Um, and the draft packs, I believe, will come with what will come with the right amount of dice. It'll come with like two dice for each card. Okay. So uh, let's see. Last bit of news: Cosmos has announced seven more exit games hitting the shelves in Germany. Uh, three in June, and later this year there'll be four more. So those will hit the shelves in the U.S. from Thames and Cosmos at some point. All right. So uh, D Game and Movie Traders, located at 2900 West Washington Street, next door to the movie theater, carries a selection of board and card games, including Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, and more. They also host groups and tournaments for all of these ages, plus Dungeons & Dragons, Warhammer, and a lot more. For more information, they can be reached at 965game or at facebook.com slash game and movie traders sville. D, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll be talking about all the games we picked up which you said you picked up a couple and the games we've been playing lately hey tarleton students this is dj truffle shuffle coming through your stereo have you ever wanted to be a star on the radio like me well guess what you can and it's actually very easy to get started all you have to do is call our station at 254-968-9586 Or come see us in the math building, room 138 on the TSU campus, and one of our delightful workers will get you started. We're always looking for new talent, so why not give it a shot? Who knows, it could change your life. Until then, keep it tuned to KXTR 100.7 The Planet, Stephenville's home for rock and hip-hop. KXTR 100.7 The Planet is proud to announce the opening of Texan Tattoo at 1280 West Washington Street, directly across from the Tarleton campus. Texan Tattoo offers Tarleton students and Stephenville residents a variety of services to meet their tattoo or body piercing needs. Artists' work can be found online at facebook.com slash texantattoo. Walk-ins are welcome and appointments can be made by calling 254-968-0050. This year, firefighters will battle thousands of wildfires around the country in hopes of containing them. But a single ember that escapes can travel more than one mile where it can ignite and destroy your home or community. You can't control where the ember will land, only what happens when it does. Prepare, protect, prevail. Get fire adapted. Learn simple steps you could take now to reduce wildfire damage later at fireadapted.org. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Learn more at fireadapted.org. All right, D. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Time to talk about some games we've been playing. Uh, D. We're going to talk a little bit about Um and Ray. Give our first impressions. We'll be reviewing that here in a couple weeks. Sure. But um, another game I've been playing with my son, and my son is two. So when I say playing this game, I mean 
trying to play it mostly. Sure. He's he's getting more comfortable with the pieces. One cool thing my son really likes to do, he likes me to pull board games off the shelf and just like mess with all the pieces in it. Okay. So we're constantly pulling games off the shelf and letting him play with the pieces. Hey, this is where things uh, start, man. For sure. So uh, the, one of the games we have from Haba, it's called Haba Tales and Games Forest Feastable. The cool thing about this game, D, which I think um, – I think people should look at it if they have a two- to four-year-old that they're wanting to get into games. Okay. Uh, The cool thing about this game is that it comes with, like, four or five different games, different versions of this game. So if you have a two-year-old that you want to teach, say, counting to, you you set the game up. It's got like a little trail, and it's got these big blocky wooden characters that are animals, and... um, you roll a die that's got one, two, and three on it twice each, and you count the pips on the die, and then you help them count the animal that many spaces. Simplest roll-and-move game, right? Sure. But then, as the kid gets older, you start amping the game up. You start adding in, like, memory match elements to it and uh, dexterity elements into it. So the game kind of can grow with your child. So okay. if you don't want to spend money on a whole bunch of different games, but you want to get a game that will kind of grow with your child, this is a really good one for that. Okay. Plus it's got uh, stories in the rule book to read before you play each game. So you can kind of like get a, get a nice little background and get story with it to get the kid excited about playing. You know, they like know the characters and stuff like that. Okay. It's a really cool game. It's about, it was about $25. It's called Haba. Tales in Games Forest Festival from Haba. So, D, we've been playing Amon Ray. This is from Reiner Knizia. This yes, is sir. a reprint from Tasty Minstrel Games. We're going to do a full review, so I don't want to give too much of it away right now. We've only played twice, so um, I definitely want to play one or two more times at least before we give Absolutely. a full review of the game. But I've been really enjoying this game myself, um, which is pretty easy to do when you've been when you've been beating everybody. At the game, but uh, I uh, I don't win I don't win all the time. So you don't, I've, but you're I've two for two. At really this. enjoying uh, winning this game. Um, so Almond Ray is an auction bidding game set in um, ancient uh, Egypt. Egypt, but. that's the country. So uh, set in ancient <laughs> Egypt. So we're we're bidding on these different locations, and everybody's going to get a location each round. You play three rounds, and the cool thing about this game is that after you play the first three rounds and you build pyramids and you put farms onto your different locations that you control, then you wipe the board, you score points, you wipe the board of everything except for pyramids and other stones that you have out there right. on their way to being pyramids, and then you start all over again. So now each location has a different value where this one location might have been the most valuable to begin with, this other one with three pyramids on it might be really valuable. So when I control an area in the first part of the game and I build it up to be this great area, I better really go for that thing in the second part of the game because am I going to let someone take all of my work that I put into this thing? Um, It's pretty cool. The bidding system is really cool. The cards that you put out there to represent the different areas, they've got the different numbers that you can bid around the edge of the card. And I say, okay, I'm going to bid six. And you can come in and bid 10. I can't go on that same card now. I have to go to a completely different card. Correct. So if I really want an area and I'm going pretty early in the bid, I've got to say I've got to bid the perfect amount on this card so that I pay the least possible, but 
no one's going to go ahead of me, right? Right. And there's different other cards that you can get and play that can kind of either say no one can go right in front of me or um, or if someone does go in front of me, I can bid on the same card ahead of them, things like that. But I really like the bidding system in this game, and I really like the uh, mid-game wipe of the board. Um and there's a couple other cool elements, like you do this like offering to the gods, which decides if the Nile is going to flood or not. And that kind of determines how much your farmers are worth and how much right. temples are worth. Um, there's a pretty sound strategy in this game of like getting temples. Like you wouldn't think it at first, but if you can make sure the Nile floods and that temples are worth four points apiece and you end up with three temples, 12 points can really shoot you out ahead. Yeah, a, a high score in this game is, you know, 50 points. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah, uh, things as simple as that can get a lot of can get you a long way down the road. But enough about that. We'll cover it next week or or next uh, yeah. show. Lots of lots of in-depth coming from that. Um what were your initial impressions though? You um, said what you thought. I've had a, I've had a lot of fun. Um it's it's thematically pleasing to me. I really like historically set games. Yeah. Um so being being uh for lack of a better word nobles in ancient Egypt Having the pyramids built, yeah, uh, that's a that's a really cool thing. Um, the game is pretty well balanced. We've tried several different things, and while temples are definitely a a way to get to the to the, a way to get a long way down the road, as I said, it's not a not a guarantee. Yeah, I want to do I temples see the if first game. So. I want to see if there's some more stuff to be done to absolutely get ahead in this game. Play any other games? Um, I got my hands on a copy of. Uh, the Pathfinder Adventure card game. Okay. Um, it came with the first expansion for it, uh, for uh, Rise of the Rune Lords. Okay. Um, so I've I've gotten a couple of playthroughs of that, and it is an absolute blast to play. Really? Um, yeah, I've, I've literally played twice. We won one, we lost one. It's a really fun uh, adventure RPG type thing where you don't have to sit down and commit, you know, four hours to a role-playing session. Yeah, yeah. Um. Because you guys play Pathfinder every Sunday. We do, every Sunday afternoon. And, and it's, you know, a three to five hour session every Sunday. And I mean, I enjoy the guys and we have a lot of fun. And, you know, we're doing some really cool things in terms of that genre. But uh, if you if you want that feel, but you don't want to commit that kind of time to it, and you don't want that level of dedication, this is a great game to go get. So this gives you that RPG. It gives you a feel. chunk of it. It's obviously not as heavy. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, you're you're still rolling dice. You're still going to, going places and exploring. But instead of having to role play all of that, it's all right. Here's a card. This is what you have to do to beat it. Can you do it? Okay. And very I mean, cool. it's just very straightforward. Bang, bang, bang. Yeah, yeah. Um, what other game did you pick up? You said you picked up a couple games, or was it the game and the expansion? Yeah, it was the game and the expansion. Okay, cool. Play anything else over the last couple of weeks besides Amon Ray and uh, um, Pathfinder? Played played some TCGs. Of I'm um, working on a new uh, Magic deck for Frontier. Okay. Yeah, the new Frontier format looks really cool. What is Frontier format? So, um, Frontier is a brand new format where they they are well they pseudo arbitrarily picked a spot and said we're going to play with all the cards from this date forwards. Um, this is how Modern came about, which is now a very yeah. large, very fan favorite format. Um, a group of the the bigger shops around the world got together and said we're going to start playing this new thing where you can only play with cards from eighth edition forward. Okay. Um, all of the really old cards are broken. You know, you can do all kinds of crazy things with them. So everything older than 8th edition, we're not going to allow. But all the new stuff, you know, when it comes out, you'll be able to play it. We're not going to have a rotation just from this point forward forever. 
An eighth edition is fairly recent, like no, like eighth last edition five is old. Years or? Eighth edition is old. Okay. Um, Magic is about to turn twenty-five. What what core set came out say like five years ago? Wasn't there like a big core set? Um, five years ago would be Magic twenty twelve. I mean, it, nothing, okay, they have yeah. years attached. To yes, them. most okay. of them do. Okay. Um, but uh, for Frontier, they said we're going to cut it off at Magic uh, twenty fourteen. Okay. Which, um, they they chose that date because Magic uh, redesigned their cards how they looked in M fourteen. Okay. And they they still have that same border uh, from that point forward. Okay. So all the cards will look like this. You'll know it's legal just by glancing at it because of what it looks like. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you're building a new deck for that. Yep. Okay. What other TCGs? Um, I've played a little bit of Yu-Gi-Oh. Okay. Um, we're we're starting to run that at work. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I needed to have a deck available for that. So built me a deck for Yu-Gi-Oh and and I'm having some fun with it. I, and, I prefer and just Magic, but r- brush up on the rules yep. and stuff like that. Absolutely. Are you doing all the tournaments there? Yes. You're the judge for all the tournaments mm-hmm. going on. And okay. pretty soon I'm going to be having to get into Pokémon as well. So Oh, hooray. Yeah. That sounds exciting. <laughs> I don't have anything I don't have anything inherently against Pokémon. I've no, just not at tried all. it. I've I've tried it uh, a couple of times, had a lot of fun with it. Um it is a great point to get into TCGs. Um, the rules are solid, but there's not a lot of player interaction. Yeah. There's no there's no gotcha mechanic or no no uh, no you can't do that like counter spell or anything like that. Maybe that's the trading card game for me. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> you know. And I mean, it's Pokemon themed. Who who doesn't like Pokemon? I think Pokemon's cool. I never got into it, but I do have to say, I always thought Pokemon's got it. There's got to be something there because when I was a teenager, like say 16 years old, right. Pokemon was about trading the cards. Right. It was no one I knew played the game. They all just traded the cards and collected them. And, and for that game to have the legs to continue on past like the bubble, you know? Oh yeah, I mean? they're way past their bubble. I mean, it's got to have something to it. Yeah, and they they uh, there are still more than a few people, even here in town, who just buy packs to collect cards. They come really? in, they buy, you know, I want to buy five packs of Pokemon cards. Sure. You know, what deck do you run? You know, they're buying five packs, surely. Oh, I don't play the game. I just collect them. Really? And it just floors me that you're you're actually trying to collect all of a TCG. And I mean, I realize that that's in the name, but... I've never met anyone who actually did before I started interacting with Pokemon players. Really? Everybody just focused on the game aspect. Yeah. And, you know, oh, it's a trading card game, so, you know, we can trade these back and forth if we want to. But people never tried to, you know, collect sets or anything like that. Yeah, because when you when you open up a booster pack, you the first thing you look at is your rare. Yep. And then you might look at the rest of them to see if there's something you could use. But you're mostly spending that $4 for that rare card. Yep. Um, which is interesting. So if you're in the collecting, you're like, no, I need all of these, especially with a brand new set. Exactly. With a brand new set, you need all of them. And even then, you're looking at your uncommons and things like that, because if you buy a if you buy a box, let's say, um, you will probably, but there's no guarantee that you'll get every uncommon. Yeah. And you certainly won't get every rare. So yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, because when I was buying like a box of uh, Dice Masters. You'd get maybe nine out of the how many ever rares. Yeah, there was, you know, one for every character, so probably 30. Yeah, okay. Um, So I got one game in in the last couple of weeks, and that was Baron Park from Mayfair Games. Okay. Um, I 
I didn't know it to uh, Phil Walker Harding, the designer. He's got another game. It's uh, Egyptian themed as well. I can't think of the name of it right now, but um, it's pretty popular. Like people, people really like it. Uh, so I've wanted to try a game of his, and this game just looked really cool. Uwe Rosenberg here recently has been using this mechanism in his games. First, he released a game that was all this, and it was for two players called Patchwork, right? Okay, and then. Um, Cottage Garden came out, and that game was for more players with the same deal. And then this mechanism was a big part of A Feast for Odin, which is this Tetris piece mechanism. So it's like tile laying, but the pieces are all Tetrisy looking pieces. Right. And you're trying to fit them together. And in, say, A Feast for Odin, you've got this grid, and for spaces you can't cover up with your Tetris piece layout mm-hmm. puzzle with your puzzle, essentially, for places you can't cover up, you lose points. So you're trying to do the best job you can to cover as many spots up. I don't know exactly how Baron Park works from that aspect, but just the thought of another one of these uh, Tetris-style puzzle piece games is really cool. Okay. The theme is really interesting. You're literally running a, a park, like a, like a wildlife preserve almost, Okay. for all kinds of bears. Sure. But you're having to do like you know, restrooms and gift shops and stuff, too. So you're running an actual park. Um, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's actually called Baron Park, even from Mayfair Games, like the German word. I thought it would just be called Bear Park, but it's called Baron Park if you're interested. It looks it looks really interesting. It's mostly those puzzle pieces. There's not a lot of other pieces in the game. Okay. So it is a, it seems like an, a tile-laying game with this, with this other cool little aspect to it. And so. good on Mayfair Games for not changing the name of the game. Yeah. I mean, this is a kind of a random aside, but it's frustrating whenever you see something come out in Germany and you're like, oh, that game looks really cool. And this may just be me because I speak German. Yeah. This may this may be a thing. But, um, you know, that game looks really cool. I'm going to have to order a copy whenever it comes gets distributed in the U.S. And then it never comes out. But there's this other game that sounds really similar to it if you translated it into English. And it's kind of about the same thing. In fact, it looks really similar. But... Obviously, it's not the same game because that's a different company and that's a different name. So somebody went to Germany and stole copyrights. No, somebody went to Germany and then changed the name. <laughs> yeah, um, it would. I mean, Baron Park is easy, but some you got to think would just be really hard for English speaking people. And like I said, this may just be me because I'm fluent in German. Yeah, it could be. Um, but I, I get what you're saying because I really like the German names of games, too. I think it's cool, too. You know what I mean? Um, So it doesn't bother me either way. So uh, those are all the games we picked up and or played in the last couple of weeks. We're going to next talk about games that have come out. Um, Century Spice Road is about to come out at Origins. Uh, You're going to hear this episode for a couple of weeks, so at some point it will be out. If Origins has happened, say, in mid-June, this game is out. Century Spice Road was originally called Caravan, and Caravan was going to have two different versions. Okay. They were going to be the exact same game. There was going to be the Crystal Golem version, which was more of an anime f- art vibe to it. Okay. And then there was going to be the Spice Road edition, which was going to be more of a Euro game vibe to it. Okay. Exact same game, different themes, right? Um, then Asmodee bought... Asmodee. Asmodee. <laughs> they bought. Um, they bought. Uh, Plan B. Okay, so Plan B is the company that came out of this, but they bought the company that owns Z-Man. Um, okay. And Philosophia and Plaid Hat Games. They bought that company, so 
this didn't come with it, right? Right. Um, so they, the people that kind of didn't come with that group that went over to Asmodee, started playing B games, took that game and turned it into Century Spice Road. They took the Spice Road edition of Caravan and turned it into Century Spice Road. Okay. And they're going to do a series of these games, but this has been called a Splendor Killer. Um, nice, simple, smooth mechanisms, really simple to learn, but just really addictive in its qualities. Right. Um, which Splendor definitely is that. And I love Splendor. I'm really excited to play this one, um, Century Spice Road. Um, speaking of Asmodee, really quickly, they've done a couple of other things. They've purchased a couple of other things recently. They bought... Um, First of all, they switched over to one distributor, Alliance Distributors Only. Yes. So you got to think about that in terms of other distributors. I know our listeners here in town could care less about all the, like, you know, in-depth stuff into the board game industry, but that's really, that's a big deal to other distributors. But it does affect them a lot because, um, not to name names, but I know that that there are a lot of shops who detest dealing with Alliance. I know that there are shops in the area who refuse to deal with Alliance. That, uh, you know, I went into their shop and was like, wow, you don't have any Dice Masters? And they were like, yeah, Alliance is the only people who carry them, so forget it. We're not doing it. Really? Um, so, you know, Alliance is big and, and uh, you know, they're one of the major distributors for the yeah. United States. But at the same time, they they have a lot of mom and pop and, and small to medium size uh, uh, FLGSs that are just like, no, we're not dealing with that company. Yeah, Alliance so, is part of Diamond, which is pretty much the only comic book distributor there is. Yes. Um, I mean, if there was ever a monopoly, <laughs> the Diamonds got one. Um, but, yeah, they also bought, uh, purchased, um, um, God, what is it? Uh, Rory Story Cubes. Have you ever heard of that? I have not. So Rory Story Cubes, my wife has a set of this. It's just a set of dice. And on each side of each die is a different picture. Okay. And you have a kid roll them, like a kindergartner or a six-year-old, whatever. You have them roll them. Okay. And then you tell stories based on the pictures that are there. It's a story creation method. That's cool. Essentially. But it's a, it's a game, but there, it's an activity, essentially. Right. Um, and it's great for, like, school teachers and stuff. And they even have, like, a, a version with, like, bigger blocks so, like, a, bunch, a big group of kids can see them. Um, and you wouldn't think that much about Rory's Story Cubes, but it's one of the top-selling games on Amazon. Okay. And for years and years and years, it's been one of the top-selling games. That's really and impressive. And it's one of the only non-mass market games that you can buy in Walmart. Okay. So there's That's something really cool. to that, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like when Asmodee bought Spot It, like, oh, Spot It, whatever. But that's a huge selling game. Yes. So anyway, so n- another little bit about Asmodee. Also from Asmodee, Unlock, the series of Unlock games is coming out. Yes. Escape Room games are huge right now. Uh, Exit games we talked about. Unlock is the other series coming out. We played a little demo of Unlock. We did. That's the one that doesn't get me as excited as the others because there's not like... I want like story. I want like puzzles and stories and stuff like mysteries going on. Right. It was more <laughs> like, oh, I want to look here. What's the number? Add that to this other number. I'm going to look for that number. What does that card say? Okay, I'm going to get another number based on that. It was a little more mechanical rather than kind of sandboxy. Like I kind of want one of these games. Okay. Um, but. We got a very, very small demo. We did. So it's hard to judge based on that. But I still want to try. I want to try a lot of these escape room games. I keep waiting on the one at Walmart to go on sale because I know it will someday. Right. Uh, Escape 
it's called Escape the Game, and it's got two expansions that you can buy at Walmart, too. Um, Notre Dame reprint. Uh, it's a uh, Steffen Feld game from Ravensburger. Also, the Le Havre reprint, a Nouvelle Rosenberg game from Mayfair Games, is now out, along with Baron Park, which we just talked about. From Thames and Cosmos, we've got two new games out, Word Slam, uh, which looks really good, and Kerala, which is an abstract game with these cool, chunky wooden elephants. Um, For sure. It's like a tall-laying abstract game. It looks really solid, actually. Um, from Renegade Games, Flatline, a Fuse Aftershot game. We we're big fans of Fuse, so Absolutely. we're definitely excited to try Flatline and Honshu from Renegade Games. From Coleman or Not, we've got Lorenzo Il Magnifico. This is the big Euro right now that I really, really want to try out. Right. Um, let's see. Also from Floodgate Games, we've got Sagrada, which is about um, making uh, making glass. Um, what's the glass in like a church called? Why can't it? stained glass? Stained glass. So this is about making stained glass, but it looks really, really cool. Um, you've got like this little window piece. Your player board is like a window, right? And you're putting these colored pieces in there, and it starts to look like actual like stained glass as you're playing the game. Um, let's see. Uh, Link from Rio Grande Games. This is L Y N G K all in caps. Yes. This is part of the um, part of the series of abstract games. Um, that all have titles like this. Um, and this is a new one that kind of, it's called Link because it uses pieces from all of the first seven games in the eighth game in this series. It's called the GIPF Project, G-I-P-F. They've all got funky names. They're all in all caps. And uh, they're all abstract games, and they're all supposed to be pretty good. And this one uses pieces from all of the previous games, and it's supposed to be pretty solid as well. Uh, Cartagena, the second edition, also from Rio Grande Games, and Yokohama and Coliseum reprints from Tasty Minstrel Games. I've got both of these at home. Can't wait to play both of them. The reprints are now out. They both look great. Yokohama has a deluxe edition that you can get. Right. Um, you may have only been able to get that from the Kickstarter, and it looks great. But as great as the regular edition of it looks, I mean, it's just fine. And Coliseum, the regular edition, has metal coins and, like, screen-printed meeples. And it, yeah, it looks good. It looks super good. Uh, so that's all the games that have come out. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be talking about a couple of things when we come back. I'm going to talk about Sherlock Holmes, Consulting Detective, Jack the Ripper, and West End Adventures. And we will be right back. Hey, this is your DJ Kashino. Join me every Saturday night at 10 p.m. for Future Sound, my weekly mix show featuring the freshest trap, bass, and EDM from across the globe. Right here on 100.7 FM, The Planet, Stephenville's rock and rap alternative. KXTR 100.7 The Planet is brought to you by Soup and More. Located just off the square at 309 West Washington Street, Soup and More has panini and deli sandwiches, wraps, salads, and three different soups every day. For more information, Soup and More can be reached at 254-434-4900 or by searching Soup and More on Facebook. All right, Circle A Skate Shop located inside of Game and Movie Traders in Stephenville, next door to the movie theater. They offer skateboards and longboards and carry accessories including trucks, wheels, skate videos, and more. Information at 965-GAME or by searching Circle A Skate Shop Stephenville on Facebook. So, Dee, I wanted to talk about something really quickly, and then uh, I'm going to pass this thing off to you and let you mess with it for a couple of weeks and see what you think about it. Um, But it's called the Quiver Playing Card Case. I got one of these, and it's... 
really interesting. I My first thought of it is I don't know how often I would carry this thing around strapped on my back. Okay. So you can go look at a picture of it. It's hard, kind of hard to explain over the radio, but it's just this long case. looks really nice. Um, it's long and skinny, and it's about the width of playing cards. You know? Okay. But it's good for a couple of things. I kind of found some use in it. I took a bunch of my like smaller card games out and just lined them all up in here. And then it's got some room in this like kind of netting on the back for some pieces if you do have some pieces. So I took like Get Lucky. Like it's got it's all cards except for this one pawn, right? Right. That fits in there easily. So I could see this uh, quiver card carrying case being good for like um, carrying a bunch of small card games around. Its main purpose is for like magic players sure. and stuff like that. It's big enough that it will fit deck boxes. It comes with dividers and it comes with it comes with Velcro dividers and it also comes with hard plastic dividers. Super high quality, looks really nice. It's got a strap and then it's got kind of just a handle you can put on it. Um, it's really cool. I mean, if you are a uh, trading card game player, collectible card game player, I could see having one of these as a way to carry uh bunch of magic cards to like a tournament or something um i know there's already methods for that but this isn't a bad one i mean you could carry a lot of cards in this it fits a fits a whole bunch of cards but for me it's just a cool way to say i'm going to this event i want to take cards against humanity um anomia and a few other small card games or i want to take like times up which is mostly just cards and maybe a sand timer that will fit in there and the little and the netting on the back. So it's uh, it's good to carry around a bunch of small card games. Or like if you wanted to say if you have like four boxes of Dominion, you could almost fit all of your Dominion inside of this thing. Okay. And then split the games up with the dividers. It's pretty cool. I'm going to give it to you to see what kind of what you think. Stick some magic cards in there. Sure. Just kind of see what you think about it. You can talk about it in a couple weeks. And uh, But it's a Quiver card carrying case. Go check it out if you're interested. Um, I think it's QuiverTime.com, I think is the website. Um, but now we're going to talk about Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, Jack the Ripper, and West End Adventures. So, D, like I said, this is based on the Sherlock Holmes consulting detective, The Thames Murders, that came out in 1981. So quite a while ago, this game came out, and there haven't been a lot of changes to the rules because there aren't a lot of rules necessarily. Okay. Um, So the way you play this game, uh, this is designed by Suzanne Goldberg, Gary Grady, and Jerome Ropert, and published by Space Cowboys. So they are releasing later this year a new edition of the original game, Uh, which I'm definitely picking up. Um, So the game includes a map of London on one side of the map and a map of Whitechapel on the other side. So the cool thing about this version of the game is that it comes with six new Sherlock Holmes cases, but it also comes with four Jack the Ripper cases. So it adds in the Jack the Ripper element if you want to like try and solve the Jack the Ripper murders. Um, It also comes with a London directory, um, and it comes with newspapers for each of the dates of the different cases. And on the back of the rule book, there's a list of your usual informants. So the way the directory and the list of informants works is that each each case has its own book. So you start the case out by reading, uh, reading a couple pages worth of text and getting the mystery, getting kind of a first lead, things like that. And then each other bit of text in the book is broken up by um, different areas on the map. So there's west, southwest, north, east, whatever, um, and then a number. So if I want to go talk to, say, um, 
Scotland Yard. Go t- go see what's going on at Scotland Yard. It might say 3SE. So I'm going to go into my case book and look for 3SE, and it's going to have a te- a bit of text that says what happened when we went to Scotland Yard okay. about this case. So that's how the whole thing works. You're just trying to come up with leads to go check out to get more and more of the mystery. So you're going to use... You're going to use everything. I would say the directory is the thing you use the most. Okay. Use the map sometimes. The map has come really in handy. I've played four of these mysteries so far. One Jack the Ripper, three of the Sherlock Holmes. Okay. Um, the Jack the Ripper I'm playing with Lara, and I've only we've only been together once since I've gotten this game. Okay. Um, I, don't, I doubt my wife was as interested in the Jack the Ripper cases just because of the content. That's fair. You know? um, the Sherlock Holmes cases are really cool. Um, so what you're going to do is get a lead, you go follow that lead, and you get the story. There's a ton of reading in this game, so if you're not the kind of person who wants to sit around and just read out loud a lot, this might not be the game for you. Okay. But I really love, love, love this game. I have so much fun playing this thing. Me and my wife just sit down in the living room. We get this, uh, our son's little table that he has in the living room out. Right. Lay the map out, get all of our books. I'll sit down with a notepad. We'll write people's names down that we want to go check out. And you just see how quickly you can solve the mystery. And the thing is, is like you could just, if this was kind of arbitrary, you could keep just following leads and you could eventually just read the whole book. Right. And then you would just have the answer. You just have the answer. So what you do is the way this game scores is Sherlock Holmes. We play the um, Baker Street Irregulars, which are Sherlock Holmes' group of like fellow detectives. Yeah, it's his his apprentices, basically. Yeah. So we're playing the Baker Street Irregulars and Sherlock Holmes has already solved this case and we're trying to solve it alongside him. Right. He always scores 100 points, right? So we're trying to um, follow as many leads as we can to get the answers, but not so many that we end up losing points. So what happens is once we say, okay, I think we've got enough information to go answer these questions, you're going to answer anywhere from six to ten questions. Uh, Some of them are directly related. Some of them are more side things that you'll start coming into contact with. Okay. Like if you read the newspaper, you'll start seeing these other things that are going on, and you'll start solving these side mysteries just because of information you're getting, right? Right. So um, you're going to answer these questions, and then you'll turn the page and start getting the answers to the questions, and you'll get points based on how many questions you got right. So you get your points, and then you start counting up the number of leads you had to follow to um, solve the case to get to where you got and then for every lead over the amount of leads it took Sherlock Holmes to solve the case, you lose five points. Okay. So if you care about the point scoring system, you're trying to hit that balance of like, okay, I think we've got enough to do it without having to follow like 30 leads because you're definitely not going to score very many points if you follow 30 leads. Right. So if you can follow, say, like 10 leads and Sherlock Holmes used eight, you'll only lose 10 points and you have a chance of coming closer to him, you know? Right. I wasn't that worried about scoring the game. I was more worried about just seeing like how quickly we could get the answers, you know? Right. Because you want to do enough to where you feel really confident about solving the main mystery and enough to where you feel like you've gotten enough side stuff from reading the newspaper and talking to kind of offshoot informants and stuff like that, that you can answer some of the like kind of sub questions too. Um, That's the game. I mean, 
There have been a couple of times where the map has come really into play, where someone said something about something happening by this certain river or by this certain place, and we couldn't find anything like that in the book. Right. But we were able to go to the map and say, that place seems similar to what's being talked about, and get the number there, and then go look it up. Okay. So the map has come into play. Um, Think about it like this. Someone mentioned... uh, Someone, one of the people we were talking to mentioned something about a guy that he thinks might have used to own a bookstore. And the guy's name was like Robert or Randall or something like that. And we go, okay, that seems like it could work out, right? So we go to the directory, which has a list of names like a phone book, but in the back of the directory, it's got like bars, restaurants, hotels. It's like a yellow page, right? So we look under bookstores and there's nothing with the word Robert or anything, but there is something that says RL whatever bookstore. And we go, well, Robert starts with R. There you go. And boom, that was it. That opened up the whole case. So as like... As much as you can think about the little little pieces of it and like really take small clues to try and get there, that's where the real answers are too. I mean, there's, hey, so-and-so did this, and you go look at them, and they're like, yeah, I don't know. But if you like really start going small details, that's where it really comes in. Cool. And uh, trying to be clever and witty in this game will really actually get you pretty far. I mean um, – it's just a really fun game. I, re- I really enjoyed Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. It's hard to talk more about this game without, like, spoiling it. Right. Um, but that's the game. Your map, your directory, your list of informants, and you just go. Reading the newspapers is really cool. Um, the second mystery I played was, like, an actor playing Sherlock Holmes had gotten murdered. Okay. And Charlie Chaplin and his younger brother were in the play. It's, like, early on That's in their cool. career. Yeah. So one of the people we're talking to through the whole mystery is Charlie Chaplin. That's nice. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. really cool little touches like that. The artwork in the game is fantastic. Okay. It's just, like, steeped in theme, and it's just... It's just really, really good. If you like a mystery game, which I love these types of games, right? Euro games and mystery games, I'm all in, right? Um, if you like this kind of game and you don't mind reading out loud a lot and you, you like the idea of solving a mystery, this game is it's incredible. I mean, the package is awesome. The game box comes out of the sleeve like a drawer okay. almost. Uh, it's not like a normal game box, and it's just like, Thick components, just really nicely done. Just a really good game. If you want a mystery game that's really cool and you don't mind the reading out loud part, this is the game for you. It was well, well worth the money. Okay. Um, so um, that's Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. I, I assume that this game is is one to however many players because, I mean, yes, yeah, so there's nothing here that's solo. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing here that sounds like you need multiple people, but at the same time, there's nothing here that sounds like it's. Uh, strictly you know a a hard cap on it either no i don't think so and the way it works is that like on my turn which the turns are pretty arbitrary but on my turn uh we talk about what lead we think we should follow but if we can't come to a consensus ultimately on my turn i choose the lead okay we haven't had any trouble coming to a consensus on anything and we haven't really played in turns but if you're playing with a group that's not just you and your wife sitting down playing the game right you might actually play like that, and you might have some people that care about the scoring. But the way we've played the game, um, it's uh, 
we, we haven't really worried about little stuff like that. Sounds like it's a it's a solid. Assuming again that you don't mind the reading. Yeah. Um, it sounds like a a solid murder mystery co op. It really is. And when you get to the end of the 10 mysteries, the game's going to be over. I mean, you might put it on the shelf for five years and forget all the answers right. and get to play it again. But the, that is the other thing about the game is you're going to spend $60 on it. I don't know if that's the exact price, but I bought this game, so I think it was about $60. Okay. You're going to spend the money on it, and then if you once you play it all, it's over. Right. You know, I mean, it, it it does have an end to it. But, I mean, so do video games, and, I mean, people yeah, I spend mean, $60 on those. Yeah, the, the fact that it has an end to it is not in itself a, a deal breaker for me. Yeah. Although it is something that is worth noting, for sure. For sure. If you have, like, a really limited board game income, and this is a style of game you just want to try rather than one you really love, you might really do some more in-depth research into reviews and some video reviews to kind of see the components and stuff like that. Do like um, I do. Con your friends into buying it. That, exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, so that's it. That's it for this episode. Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, Jack the Ripper, and West End Adventures specifically. Like I said, the original 1981 game being re-released this year. We're going to get out of here, D. but before we do, wanted to tell everyone that Game and Movie Traders brings you bags and boards every week. Located at 2900 West Washington Street, next door to the movie theater, they do buy, sell, and trade for both used and new video games. They offer new and classic video games for all systems, including PS. PS4, Xbox One, as well as Nintendo, Sega Genesis, and all consoles in between. Information at 965game or facebook.com slash game and movie traders Sville. Here in a few weeks when we come back with a new episode, we are going to be talking about Amon Ray. Plus, we're going to be running down some board game documentaries for you to check out. All right, D, uh, we're going to get out of here. Be sure and connect with us on Twitter at BagsAndBoardsTX at Facebook.com slash BagsAndBoards. And once again, to hear all of our past reviews, interviews, and all kinds of audio, head over to SoundCloud.com slash BagsAndBoards. You can also find our podcast version of the show by searching Bags and Boards at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, or any other podcast service that you use. You can also search for the Tarleton Radio Podcast feed. We're a part of that if you want to hear some of the other shows produced here at Tarleton Radio. And we'll see you guys in two weeks for our discussion of Amon Ray by Reiner Knizia and Tasty Minstrel Games. We'll see you then. Just, 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 just